0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Hey friends, before we get to the uh, next roundtable, it's not a roundtable, just a group podcast with Faith Haygood, Dr. Mallory Wyckoff, and Dr. Joshua Graves talking about conflict, spiritual formation, spiritual practices, a lot of good stuff. Let me tell you about another good thing. It is Telos. Now, Telos is uh, an organization that forms communities of peacemakers to help heal seemingly intractable conflict. And I want to invite you to do what I did last fall and join one of their transformational pilgrimages to either Israel slash Palestine or the American South, which is their new thing. And on these trips, you'll see the world with a different lens and understand what it means to be a peacemaker in these divisive times. Visit Telos, that's T-E-L-O-S, telosgroup.org to contact them and learn how you can help guide your church community in the discipleship-making process of peacekeeping. So check it out, and without further ado, here's the podcast. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Today we have four-person podcast return to the show for the fate even on four times for I think so oh, about, yeah 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 about, yeah. yeah and uh, you've been on one before with Dr. Joshua Graves as well yes Josh return to the show for the you've been on a bunch any idea of the number you were on the last one as well so I don't know and and for the first time Mallory
1: that's right How do you say your last
0: name? I feel like I never say your last name correctly. You never
1: have. No. Wyckoff. Mallory Wyckoff. And it's
0: doctor as well. It is. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. Fancy.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I think this is the first time we've had a pregnant person on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Been discriminating for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Finally opening the
0: doors.
1: (laughs) Glad to walk through. Yeah,
2: his podcast is bro culture.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's that is true. Breaking the glass ceiling.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) What What do you think we've been missing out on not having the Pregnant perspective On the podcast what do, what, do, what do you feel like That the audience Has been lacking
1: The fact that you assume There is the pregnant Perspective tells me All I need to Isn't know Isn't it a monolith As we get As we get started I don't know here, if you know Luke. this But
2: Luke is a white male His dad is a college
0: professor so
1: <laughs> But he hides it so well a
0: lot Yeah mm-hmm, I have <laughs> I got a bad haircut A couple years ago It was really tough mm-hmm. And it's I mean Everett has her Has her thing So
1: And look at you Here you are
0: I've survived I've survived
1: Handling conflict
0: Yes I am And that's what we're going to talk about <laughs> And in some ways I After this podcast I would have Been able to handle That criticism That you just gave me Even better Now fa- have, How long you been with Metro Or how long has Metro been around Since you since started Since 2000 Since 2000 Yes uh, Before that you spent some time In public education Yes And, and ministry Ministry mm-hmm. And the public school system Yes Is there any criticism That ever happens In those two fields Never Never Okay mm-hmm. Josh, you've done some work, uh, uh, some ecumenical work with Christianity and Islam. I'm a ass- Judaism,
2: Islam, and Christianity.
0: Yeah. Yes, I'm assuming there's no negative feedback when you're having those conversations.
2: Yeah, there's uh, lots of emails. Lots of emails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keyboard bravado is what we call Keyboard it. Keyboard bravado. Ah, yeah. People like are five <laughs> Men are five eight one fifty in real life, but they get behind a keyboard and they're six six two seven.
0: <laughs> <True. laughs> That's about right. And uh okay, Mallory, you're you do spiritual uh direction. I do. You
1: teach. I do.
0: And there's one other thing in there.
1: I train other spiritual directors and I also work with doctor of ministry students supporting them in their mm-hmm. research.
0: And your what was your emphasis in your Doctoral work. Uh,
1: With my dissertation specifically, it was on the impact of sexual trauma on survivors' theological perception and spiritual formation.
0: All right, that's that's a lot there. (laughs) That's a lot. Anyone want to make the transition for me,
2: Josh? You want to take that? I think Luke needs to apply to the d program.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he would never make it. <laughs> oh, but hurts. we'll take your application fee gladly. Oh, that hurts. That
0: hurts so bad. <laughs> it is ironic that uh, like ACU's reached out to many of the students that I graduated with trying to say, hey, it's time to come back and work in that doctorate. And they never did that to me. I haven't, haven't received You're one. You're a free spirit. They, know they, can't, <laughs> they can't tame you. They got me for an MDiv, and that's all. That's, <laughs> that's, nice. um, that's all. um No fate you ever thought about getting a doctorate I did I did and I actually found a program
3: but then I thought 57 do I want to give a university
0: 30 grand Uh, (laughs) didn't want to do it now if I had a benefactor (laughs) <laughs> well hey If anyone decides They want to be fate's benefactor Absolutely uh, Send I'm the emails the in. in Yes Send <laughs> the emails over We'll uh, we'll put, take those applications Okay so what we want To talk about today And I think each of you Have a unique perspective On this uh, Is the subject of in leadership, being out front, there's always going to be criticism. And there have to be things that enable you to withstand the criticism and not let the criticism destroy you. Uh, Josh, you actually tweeted something a while ago that stood out to me. There's something about um, 70% of criticism, 30%. Ha- Give me the
2: breakdown And of obviously that. the numbers aren't scientific. Just kind of my gut sense of doing this for a while now. If you're a public leader and you're talking about anything that's significant, Two-thirds of the time, the criticism you receive is not about you. It's about the person giving it to you. They're working out their own stuff. Um, and a third of the time, what they say has legitimacy to it. They're, they're either dead on or they're close to the truth. And so I just, I believe that spiritual disciplines, and we can get into that later, um, help you to love yourself the 30% of the time that the criticism is true. And spiritual disciplines allow you to be compassionate towards the person the other two-thirds of the time when the criticism is about them, it's, a, it's not actually about you.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So either way, you need to to be engaged in your life.
0: And so I think one of the first questions is, how do you process when criticism is coming your direction? If this is really about them, this is communicating what they need to, to deal with, or is this specifically about what you need to reassess about yourself? Yeah. And Faye, I'm assuming you've you've told me before, you had someone actually like write letters about how you should be, Disfellowshipped and all that So something like as a pronounced Sort of critical uh, Action as like Writing a letter and getting signatures and all that When you're thinking You see this Are you asking Is there some truth that I need to Reassess about myself Or are you thinking oh this is something about them Like when that letter first comes to you What are you thinking
3: They're crazy Yeah Uh, Um In that case, in that case, I, I, I simply think they have an agenda already. Mm -hmm. And, um, at that point for me, it became not about me and them, but about God and me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what is God expecting of me? How does God expect me to react? Do I trust him enough to respond to him biblically to, you know, to, to, to walk in the spirit of God, um, even when I feel like walking in, in my humanity, mm-hmm. um, do I trust him enough to lose friends um, instead of responding the way my flesh wants me to respond? That's really what went through my mind. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you really want to know that, that's, that's the struggle I had in that particular conflict. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: definitely. Okay, so Mallory, uh, let's say you're a spiritual director of someone, and they get some sort of uh, strong criticism, and they come to you and say, okay, this is what happened, they said this about me, they said I'm a false teacher, and that I'm, you know, I'm the preacher of the church, and I'm ruining it, if he or she says that to you, what is your spiritual direction to them?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question, thinking about helping to walk with somebody else through that, which might be easier than doing it for my own self, so thank you for that. Um, (laughs) My first thought is just to give them space to explore and to name whatever it is that they're they're feeling, and so if they need a space to be able to... You know, scream or cry or, or curse or whatever, just to say, here's what I'm holding in this moment, mm-hmm. and to not have to evaluate everything just yet, but just to be able to name yeah. whatever it is they're carrying. We we really need space to be able to do that. Um, and so, if it's that initial like they're crazy, you know, or what or like that, and that really may be a good evaluation of the situation, but at minimum, giving a starting place for them just to be fully honest and safe to to do so. Um so that they can then get to the point where they have some level of, of stability and clarity to begin thinking about it a little bit more fully. And then hopefully my job is to, hopefully I'm doing a good job of it, but just to ask really good questions that help them discern what is there to theirs to carry in this, what is theirs to let go? How is this connected to past experiences? You know, has this surfaced yeah. before? There's a lot of discernment work that can take place there. And one of the things that spiritual direction offers, I think, is <clears throat> space to have someone ask you those questions that you can't often ask to yourself or might not even think about. But the the space that, that good questions can open up. That you can then inhabit and explore this, that then it becomes far less about the particulars of the criticism, but how is this experience teacher for me right now? Yeah, you know, and that that opens up a whole new world of possibilities beyond just were they right or wrong and what they said about me.
0: Yeah, I for the first time uh, a while back, someone said, "Oh, Luke's a false teacher," and. It was the first time that happened to me, and so I, I emailed a guy who uh, has been called a false teacher many times in his life, and I said, okay, here's what they said about me. What should, you know, how should I think about this? How should, how should I feel about it? And his response is, they've given you a gift. And I never would think, like, that's a gift. Like, if that's the kind of gift you're getting, like, I'm, I'm returning that gift. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> but I think it's an invitation to to, to reassess yourself, to re- and, and it's also a teaching thing for them to help understand what the job of a teacher is in their life. And so, you, Josh, your, your percentage is that 70% is about them, 30% it's about you. Mallory's saying you've got to ask the questions of, you know, what's on, what's on my side of the fence that I need to assess? How are you processing when, when uh, criticism yeah, comes Yeah, I was way? just
2: thinking about a um, friend of the show, Barbara Brown Taylor. Mm-hmm. I had her for a world religions class. Um, and then the section we did on Buddhism I don't. I don't remember who the teacher was or what the tradition was in Buddhism, but she talked about um, your critics in Buddhism are called your precious teachers, which is another way to say they've given you a gift. Um, because so, anytime someone lobs a grenade, whether it's through email or text or gossip, which is the preferred form of church people, mm-hmm. um, you, you know. The first question, the reason it's a gift is, what does it say about me that it affects me? Because it almost always affects you, mm-hmm. no matter how cool you are on the outside or how much you can joke about it. Um, almost everyone I know. So what does it say about me? And it says, oh, I'm, I'm still more insecure than I even admit to myself. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm getting older and I've done the work and I'm confident, there's still a deep sense of insecurity of Um, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome. Um, So I I think the first kind of level of revelation for me is I'm not as secure as I think I am. I've got more work to do. And then I get to the actual content of the nature of the criticism. Was it something I wrote? Was it something I said? Was it theology? Was it because I made their uncle mad? And so now they're projecting it. Then you get to the content. But I think the first layer of work is why, why does this even bother me? Yeah
0: fate you've been doing this longer than the rest of us how how do you see yourself responding to criticism now that maybe you didn't do 20 years ago when you're getting started do do you feel like it's changed how how you receive it how you can handle it absolutely absolutely um right now when when i (laughs) I
3: get criticism all the time
2: (laughs) what form i'm curious what's the form gossip emails facebook messages
3: all of it yes yes Actual letters, snail mail, yes, all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, For a while, I was the, you know, I was the poster child for everything that was wrong in Church of Christ for a little while. So, so it was everywhere all the time. Yeah, not so much anymore. We got some younger guys now who are getting
2: getting some some of the grief.
3: (laughs) But for a while, it was me. As a matter of fact, I had one of them tell me, "Yeah, the reason we're doing this." Is because you paved the way, yeah. <laughs> so which I don't know if it's much of a <laughs> compliment. <Yeah. laughs> um, but but now um, I give I give my myself permission to be human, so I don't take their their criticism um, as a bad or a good thing. I just I just take it as well. If I am messing up like you say I am, it's all right. I, I no longer feel a need to, to be perfect um, for them in that way. I struggle with perfection in other ways, um, but for as outward criticism, I give myself permission that it's all right, that even if they're correct, um, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I, that I don't have to be perfect, I don't have to teach everything the way they thought I should have taught it, I don't have to um, be the guy um, and it's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, again, I, I feel a strong connection with making sure that God defines everything I do. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I try to start with question one. What does God want in this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of how I feel or what I'm dealing with personally. How would you try to answer that? Like, Well, um, okay, I'll take for instance when I come preach for you. Um you remember I came and preached for you. Mm-hmm. Um, um my church has no problem with most of well, my friends have some. But many some of the churches in Houston actually had a problem. I mean in Austin actually had a problem with it. Really? I had no idea. Sorry, man.
2: Are you some, are you saying some some <laughs> of the African American churches in Austin knew you were going to Westover? Well, or are you just saying just churches in general oh, that they, you have?
3: They, yeah, they were I guess I guess they were African American churches and others because Got it. The church I went to that day there was some big singing or something there was a Sunday
0: night thing at one of another church right. in Austin and I went
3: over there and uh, lo and behold I didn't know you were <laughs> that guy
2: <laughs> it's the V neck t shirt yeah, they're the just V-neck. jealous because
0: they don't have the good black V's that's why I, <laughs> nice yeah.
2: now they don't have twenty black V's
0: <laughs> I do have a lot yeah, cool.
3: and so and so um, in dealing with that <laughs> well you know in
0: dealing with that. Um, I, I like that you said you're the guy. It wasn't like Westover's the church. As I like, know, Luke, no, it's you're the you, guy. Bruh. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <And> so,
3: <laughs> so, so, so in, in dealing with that, you know, I don't let them define where I can go. Mm-hmm. I let God define it. Mm-hmm. If if Luke says, "Hey, you want to come preach?" You know, I like you to come preach. Sure, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Not based on 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 something some arbitrary ruling they have made Mm -hmm. but rather if god is sovereign and i believe he is if god is saying this is the door i want you to
2: walk through then i walk through i know this is your podcast but can i ask a follow-up question today for it this is an all play what is your preferred uh medium of communicating conflict if someone has a beef with you do you prefer they send you a text and say, hey, think about this over the next couple of days and then I'd like to talk to you about it? Do you prefer a phone call? Do you prefer someone come up to you in person? Do you prefer a, like a thoughtful note? How how would you like for people to, to communicate when they're disappointed or frustrated or upset? I'm... I'm curious. That's I know how question. I feel, but I'm curious of what you guys think.
1: I love the idea of them writing it in a letter, but then never sending it <laughs> so that they can feel a lot better. But then we don't actually have to talk about it. That sounds great Everybody to me. wins. I yeah. okay. Yeah. You're okay. That's we're right. Okay. We're good. If anyone from
2: the Otter Creek Church of Christ is listening to this, please take note.
0: Mallory. The idea of someone saying, we're going to talk about this subject, letting you not be surprised, and then having to face to face. That is pretty, I've never heard of someone doing that, saying, hey, get prepared, get your mind around this idea. Because usually it's, even if it's in person, which I think is ideal, you're still like, I I haven't thought about that. That was six months ago. I said that three three months ago. I don't even remember the context. And they've been stewing on it for a long time. And then it's the day after I go, oh, yeah, this is what was happening in the context. That would be pretty ideal, but I've never seen that happen.
3: My preferred way is when it happens, talk to me. Don't talk to me six months later. Yeah. Talk to me today. If it happened today, talk to me. Look me in my eye. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Because of what I found is that first, if it's been six months, when they ask to talk to you, they give you this <laughs> non-defined, we need to talk. Okay, what are we going to talk about? I'll talk to you about it when we get there. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Tell me mm-hmm. so I can be prepped. Secondly, is that if it's been six months, this thing they have has its own life now. By the time it gets to me,
2: it's there. It is. Yeah, it's, you know, it's grown and yep. has
3: children, and it's. Yep.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I read a quote the other day. I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was something. It was comparing. It was comparing gossip as a f- kind of form of spiritual pornography. Yeah, Scott
0: Saul said that,
2: and his, his point was, it's fundamentally dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. Just like pornography is dehumanizing at many levels to yourself, to the people involved, gossip. It promises something it can't deliver on and it mm. dehumanizes the person and it's allowed to take on a life of its own. To your point, the more people don't just deal with the thing that they know they need to, then a let it fester and it's going to seep out they're going to say something to their friend before the other friend shows up to dinner hey what did you think of so-? like it's just this
0: natural kind of gossip yes gossip culture yeah do you have a real answer besides writing a letter and not send it or is that you're giving that, that, that? that that's that a good Maria? answer i'm cool no, with that. she just wants to be revered <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Any yeah research? is that too much to ask i don't <laughs> I don't think, but you know I, to me it really depends on the level of conflict i'm I'm sitting here thinking probably most of the criticism that I receive is is in some form of writing, you know, whether it's in a st- freshman student's evaluation, which is fresh on my mind because <laughs> I've been reading those this week as I'm grading finals. but a
0: freshman student's evaluation. Oh,
1: it- I'd, I'd love to say I don't care, but it's there. <laughs> um, or in an email, do you, you know, care after because I, it's there?
2: Or do you care because someone else is going to read it?
1: Hmm. Uh, but it depends. It depends on the student and the content. Um, but a lot of times I'll get emails, you know, after I, I preach or we'll do something at, at church. And so I feel like most of the time I end up getting some form of written written communication, you know, with a with a criticism, which the helpful thing to me is that my second or third possible response are probably better than what my first would be. Yep. If it was in person, quick, and I'm caught off guard, I'm much more likely to be defensive and to just go from every false self I have and let, let you know that those rain i can get to my truer self and have a little bit more time to process and to ask those questions and in the moment Mm -hmm. so i kind of like having a little bit of distance there for my sake and for theirs probably too
2: you know that just made me think one thing a question
3: on that is 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 your truer self actually your edited self
1: i wouldn't say edited it's just i'm Accessing the deepest, truest parts of me that that are my core. Whereas in the moment, uh, what, what are actually the edited versions of me are all the layers I put on to try to interface safely with the world that help me save face and feel like I can survive and get through. Those are the edited versions. Um, but when I can get to the actual core self and say, this is truly who, who I am um, at core, that feels... Fully authentic and fully true. It's
2: your better self. It's the self you want people to experience, not all the other stuff, too, right? I think yeah. that's a little different than what she's saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's just let that be awkward. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it because we're doing it in
0: person. Yeah, <laughs> in person. I would. What I would like is a note about this six uh, hours before, and then I'll discuss it because I would like the uh, time to stew on probe. it. Yeah, uh, one of. The, I had this conversation with the therapist that I used to go to uh, a couple years ago, and I had this attitude about feedback that. You know, the, the compliments that people give—it's it, kind of the inverse of what you said. You know, thirty percent is actually about you; seventy percent is about the person who said it. When it comes to like criticism, I think you would even up that for compliments. Like hmm. the, the people who give the most compliments. I, there's one of like the, the the Southern church culture of "Hey, great son- sermon, Pastor!" Thanks, preacher. Yeah, and so like I get like that's just part of the interactions. Hey, how you doing? It's that sort of thing. And another like the people who give the like consistent we're looking
2: at dolphins coming through right now
0: that is that is true but the people who often give the most like compliments are people who they themselves are like full of the most life and Mm -hmm. joy and love and it's just kind of like the overflow of who they are and so to some degree like what you're saying to me that's that's not 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 about me and so i kind of had this attitude and my therapist said it's not good that i would just go none of it's really about me like hey great job pastor that was so good I just met someone who visited at lunch oh yeah yeah I came to your church oh you're amazing blah you killed it, blah blah, blah. That's not, I don't think that's really about me but I, and someone pushed back and said but but you're never really receiving anything if you're not let any of it in yeah. and so spiritual director what is the shortcoming of not being if you let some in you have to let it all in what's the what's the problem when you don't let any of it in
1: yeah that's a good question I mean, I just think about, yeah the risk of of not letting part of it in is that then you you resist what you ought to ought to let in, but even to whatever level you are allowing yourself to receive the the positive or the negative, you know the critique or the compliment, I'm still much more curious about um the ways that that is <laughs> going to my ego you know whether it's stroking my ego or it's making me work harder to boost it because this is this isn't making me feel good and so I'm going to try to find another way to to sort of polish it so that I can feel better at the end of the day because both have the potential whether it's the criticism and then I can just double down and say they don't know me and I'm doing fine and that's still about my ego you know or Mm -hmm. if I receive the compliment in a way that um that makes me think yeah i 'm killing this you know, and that 's how yeah. I take it and then and then i 'm still operating out of that false self that says what I need to feel secure in life is for people to affirm me or receive me or whatever, so i 'm less interested about even the the content, whether it 's positive or negative, than what am I doing with it, you know when I receive it um, does it conform with the truest narrative about who I am and how I see myself as an image bearer of God fundamentally? Or am I allowing it to uh, feed some sort of false story that I I tend to live by more than the one I just mentioned?
0: Yeah. I I think it's easy to point out the detriment of criticism, but there's a detriment that exists within compliments too and and praise that it it can... Cause you to just chase after that, and that you just want yeah. the likes and and the and the loves and the good job pastors and all, and, and that's detrimental too.
1: I, I was just gonna say I'm a three on the enneagram, and that has been it feels like a crazy thing to to you know complain about or, or lament, but I feel like my whole life, especially growing up, that I got so much affirmation, which was wonderful in so many ways, and I would rather have that than ha- you know have had a deficit of it. But the problem was that it, it then just became identity. And so then when you find yourself in seasons where you're not getting that, you know, you, you get out of school and you don't get grades anymore. You don't have professors writing nice notes to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you're no longer in context that inherently um, <laughs> creates space for, for that sort of feedback. It can be devastating to sense of identity It's. Oh well, what what am I doing wrong that I'm not I'm not now receiving those? So I probably have had to do more work around that piece than the yeah. than the criticism. Though there's plenty of me to do there, but yeah.
0: Fate, let me do the same question. Let me do the same question I asked earlier about how you receive criticism different now than 20 years ago. Do you receive praise and compliments different now as well?
3: I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I do. Um, I think I receive it um i, I try to receive it all with, with a grain of salt, yeah, both, but I don't know. Just the other day, I was criticized, and I responded badly hmm. um, But I think it go back to what he was saying it wasn't about it wasn't the criticizer it was they hooked into my I have an aversion to disloyalty hmm. <laughs> so. So, uh, uh, and, and, and it wasn't that they, had, they would say anything wrong. It's just they said to something to me in a context in which they had been discussing what they needed to talk to me about hmm. in other groups mm-hmm. before they talked to me about it. Yeah, it yeah, I get that. Yeah. And it wasn't something they shouldn't have talked to me about. They absolutely had a point to talk to me about because I, I have a, I don't even know the, the name of the of the uh, scale that I was put on, but it's a scale that starts from one to nine. The Enneagram. I don't know if it, but I I know I was a nine. So I was all vision, all risk taker, you know, Whereas no no details. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. That's what the Enneagram is. Yeah. So I was, I was a nine. And so, so I kind of see things like that. I miss stuff and it it messed my head up. Uh huh. And I started responding to them like, you know, well, you know, why didn't you just come to me? I couldn't even deal with what they were, which was legitimate because it was hooking into that. They were, they had a problem with my lack of details. Not with my pushing vision, <laughs> but with my lack of details. It's like, dude, this look like we're just running, you know, this helter-skelter, we're just running. Yeah, And, and we were. <clears throat> but the fact that they had already talked about something yeah. messed my head up. And so, and I usually don't do that. And so that's when I say, I don't know. I, you know, had you asked me this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, i would have said one thing but because of how i responded to, the, to there i don't know maybe i'm not who i thought it was yeah,
2: this this is connected but one thing two things that have helped me with criticism um and i i i used to say that being a preacher in a in a smaller church is easier i i think they're both hard but for different reasons Like context or size of the business you're leading or the church you're leading or whatever, the organization. Two things that have helped me. One is um, every job is hard. Yeah. So I think especially those of us who do spiritual work, we can kind of take on this martyr complex. And the reality is like, my dad works the night shift at Children's Hospital in downtown Detroit and works with preemie babies on an ECMO pump. Like he has days that I'll never understand. Yep. He's got hard, hard things about his job that I'll never understand. So that helps me. Like, everyone's job is hard. The guy that gets up at 4 a.m., the, running, the, uh, the dad of the running back who wasn't drafted for the Broncos, I don't know if you saw that story, he gets up at 4 a.m. to drive a bus. Like he's, he's got hard stuff about his job that I don't have, have mm-hmm. to do. The second thing, though, is, especially if you're a public leader, no matter who's in that role, they're going to be criticized. So in some ways, the criticism that comes your way has nothing to do with you because if they swap you out and put someone else in, they're going to get criticized too. So, like, it just literally comes with the job. Like, and you can't have it the other
0: way. Yeah, I think those are good. Those are good reminders that work is just going to be hard. Like that's that's like Genesis. It's three supposed stuff. to be.
2: Yeah, it's supposed to be hard. Yeah
0: and i i had the so we had a uh, the the pack that the uh this the microphone plugs into that i preach in the like the little face thing it had <laughs> the, the britney spears mic is that what you're talking I, about, was thinking about garth brooks but uh, it's called a
2: country man <laughs> it's Seriously. a country man <laughs> oh, they call it a country man yeah do you not have you not heard that no it, and i would have been fine because they came not out of the uh, country music garth brooks yeah. and yeah. it's called a countryman or a country man
0: Never heard that. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> that's the technical but you, word. But you, you've used the mic at at, at Wester when you visited. Yeah. At
2: Outer at, Creek, we call it a country person. Thank yeah. you, I yeah. appreciate yeah. That. that's <laughs>
0: nice. But it used to have the uh, <laughs> old preacher's name on it. So we have one for guests, and then we have one that's that's the preachers. And they didn't change the name out when I got there for six months. And I I really like that because every time I looked at, it, I was like, oh yeah. Eventually, someone else is going to have this microphone. Someone else is going to be in the pulpit. Someone else is going to... Like, they're going to replace me. And, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Faye, I know you started your church, so, you know, let's... Maybe it's different for you. But at the end of the day, there's, people are going to listen to, you know, other preachers. They're going to have... But... I And I have to be okay with that. And, but, like, the spiritual... Like the spiritual journey for me is I need to learn to receive criticism and, like, not just push it away, not use my Enneagram 7 thing of like I can just reframe and act like it's not a big deal, but to actually feel it and let it in. Because otherwise, I I don't ever let it in. So it kind of just always just kind of hangs around on the periphery and it's just right there. Because if I let it in, if I feel it, if I experience it, and then I can kind of like turn from it and acknowledge this affected me because for so long I felt like spiritual maturity is like, well, if I, you know, if I, if I pray enough, you know, if I, if I do the right things, then nothing's going to ever affect me. Mm. And that's just, that's not real. Like that, that's not honest. And so for me, the work is, okay, let it have its course, be upset, let it hurt you. And it's, I mean, I'm, I'm an Enneagram seven. It's going to last 15, 20 minutes, (laughs) but still if that 15, 20 minutes is longer than I want to do, when you think of like for you as a, you know, spiritual director, teacher, Enneagram 3, What is what are the spiritual practices that help you deal with criticism and praise? Mallory. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's funny because I'm thinking of two seemingly opposite answers. One is silence and solitude. I need to be away from the other voices, whether it's of criticism or praise, because I need... I need those more naked and raw, vulnerable moments with the divine to to be reminded who am I really mm-hmm. aside from any of these other labels, uh, categories, hats that I wear, whatever you know, relationships that I'm in, and however I evaluate myself in any of those things. Who am I truly? I need those those mm-hmm. spaces away, and I also um, on the sort of other end of the spectrum, perhaps I need community. I need people who. Can help me get out of my head a little bit and see see things that I can't. So I know there's times where I've gone to to Josh when I've gotten criticism for something I've I have said, and he knows the person, and I can just say, hey, help me here. How do you you know what are what are your thoughts here that can help me then do the work and not to escape. And I'm not looking you know for for Josh or anybody else to say, oh, you're doing fine, don't worry about it. That's that's not actually helpful. But for this person to give me some insight on. Uh, The other person involved Helps me then do that sort of evaluative work That I can then begin to ask those questions Okay, what is mine to hear from this? And and again, even if it's that the person Nothing of their content is actually true Or substantive or worthwhile for me to really hold I let that go immediately However i then as you mentioned earlier josh like just take stock of and how difficult was it for me to receive this pushback when i thought man i really killed that or i did a great job there or i I was you know fully rooted and grounded what i said and this is really bothering me more than i wish that it it would be well there's there's the teacher there's the the guide to be you know asking questions of
2: what's what's the most hurtful criticism that you've ever received Something I mean, that I, something that stayed with you or really like just cut you, because some criticisms paper cut, sure. and some was like a deep knife wound.
1: Yeah, I think I've tried to let them all go so much that I can't remember. <laughs> um, I think time, I really struggle with feeling misunderstood. What do you? <laughs> that was such about? a
2: spiritual director answer.
1: No, oh no, that.
2: <laughs> that's why people come to me. <laughs>
1: No, no, that was like a confession of uh, Uh (laughs) trying to Mm. pretend everybody likes me. Push them out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think any time I feel misunderstood... I I can handle much better if I feel like the person or persons accurately heard me and they disagree with it and push back on that. That feels much more logical. Hmm. But when I feel like my person has been misunderstood, then that feels much, much deeper. And if I've come in with the intent to offer care and I've really been attentive to somebody or to the group or whatever and that hasn't been seen, then that feels really deep.
0: Yeah. You said uh, disloyalty. That's the kind of stuff that gets you... Do you have any that you, like, we're going to go to the specifics, but the same question of the, the ones that stayed with you and why? I have several. Um, <laughs> He's like, actually, I wrote them down. <laughs> yeah. Luke, you said I, this I carry
3: him around. With,
2: <laughs> I carry him around with me. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah I,
3: I, there, there, are, there are a lot of them. Um, but I think if you ask me what was the most deep critique, um, was the critique of, that I gave myself. Hmm. For some, and I can remember almost every one of them, and they mostly have to do with my wife and my children. Hmm. Um, hmm. I it, there haven't been a lot, but there are some that I still I'm just you know where I did I didn't I didn't do what I should, should have done, and I was just wrong, wrong, and I and I really just beat myself up about it, a little, and I had to get to the point where it was all right for me to have made those mistakes because i couldn't fix them hmm. so you know, oh, just on, as an aside, it's so so funny, just I guess cultural differences because you were talking about the countryman mic and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we always call it the Janet Jackson give me a Beak mic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that so much better. I,
2: I had never heard these other terms before. Yeah. That's funny. Fair, very fair. Very fair. Yeah. Okay, you answer the question. I had a. Um, an anonymous death threat that was probably the only time that I really, really lost sleep like for consecutive days. So I'd only been in Otter Creek a couple of years and I did a what I thought was a pretty responsible kind of uh, sermon on race and I, I did it by talking about... Um, how Martin Luther King grew up, and how Malcolm X grew up. Malcolm X grew up 30 minutes from where I grew up in Michigan. And I talked about his father was a Baptist minister, and they had moved around, and the Michigan version of the Klan killed his father, the Black Legion. There's no there's no question about it. And I, I just talked about how um, the way that X is remembered in the white community now versus the way King is remembered in the white community now just is so telling about the white community more than it is even about malcolm x and martin luther king so i'm already on thin ground as a white guy talking about the two (laughs) most important right Um, (laughs) but i had i had talked with several of our black members before that and had like helped me process this this and and or helped me process how this is going to be heard by different people and four days later i got um a letter I'll never forget. Um, I remember the elder who I showed it to, but the letter said, um, and it was cobbled together. So you couldn't make out the handwriting, um, like letters, you know,
0: wait, cut out of magazines. Yeah. And it said,
2: "No." um, yeah. And the
0: letter, the the
2: letters, the (laughs) letter said, um, and I don't know if it was someone who was actually there that Sunday or someone who listened to the podcast, um, but it said, um, if you ever preach about Malcolm X again in a church we will send you back to Michigan in a box wow, um geez. and i had a 2 year old so you know it was it was real um and and obviously compared to what some preachers have gone through that's nothing but that was the first time i was like oh that's that's not Criticism in the form of intellectual in- inquiry, that's criticism in the form of a threat. That's like one of the highest levels of criticism where I disagree with you so much that I'm insinuating violence.
0: That you can't live, yeah.
3: yeah. Wow. I, re- I remember I remember what, th- one of the things that I did that I regretted. Um, my wife wanted to be a, a broadcast voice. And so, this was early, early in our marriage. And so, she was going to go to this broadcast school, right? It was pretty expensive, right? And so, instead of me honoring her, which I should have done, which was my duty to do, um, I completely shut down the idea, um, um, you know, that's too much money, you know, you can go to UCLA for that much money, you know, blah, 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 blah. And to this day, I regret it. Wow. To this day, because I, I never want to kill her dreams or, you know, make her feel she can't be completely a, a vibrant person. Um, and I can't make up for it, you know. To this day, I regret it. Hmm. But th- that's that's why I had, I mean, it's nothing I can do. I can't fix it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't go back yeah. to that day. I mean, I don't do it anymore. Um, so that's when I said I had to come to the point where, you know, I had to give myself permission to mess up because I don't want to be cray-cray, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know,
0: walking around trying to hold that something I can't do anything with. So, Yeah, I think yeah. there's something to be said for uh, our own inability to to process the critical thoughts that we have about ourselves. Right. We did a, a prayer with the people exercise. People, you know, fill out a card like this is what... Uh, I need to do about like forgiveness and I said you know what person do you need to forgive and and the majority of cards that came in were I need to forgive myself yeah. and there's something about some of us our disposition our personality we have the ability to be very critical of what we do and maybe spiritual director over here can speak a word of truth to this but it, it seems like to just ignore that i think we're being deficient to something that god has given us the ability to to process and analyze so that we can grow and improve but another part is there's no one who talks as bad to me as i talk to myself mm-hmm. and there's not one voice i've ever heard that says as many terrible things to me as i say to myself and that
2: okay so this is where i have a question what does it say about me that i do not identify with that at all
0: it, that you're an enneagram three but no, because she's I'm over a three here, going, oh, and I've got that
1: critic. It's dude. harsh, yeah. Well, I think
0: that means that there's three people in the room that are very healthy in this job. Uh, I don't. Okay, I, that's your take. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Anyone else? But because I hear that a lot,
2: you know, Cara is an Enneagram one. She has the voice, the, the the voice of the critic. You just said that about you. You were like, mm-hmm. you were talking about. I It's it's not that i have not sometimes... Can, I am convicted of things that I could have done better and wrong. I don't have that inner critic like you were just describing. I just... That has never been my experience.
0: And I will say this. Mine can... It can happen. I can think about it. I, I'm not haunted like others are yeah. by things, but it can be a very short, explosive sort of... This is exactly what happened and it's your fault. But yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I as we've been talking about criticism, I've been thinking, I don't know of anything that anybody's ever said to me that could even come close to the harsh words that I've, I have said and say to my, myself that feels much louder and more, more present, the level of pressure, you know, putting on myself to perform and achieve and succeed. So, um, two thoughts come to mind. One, how that is actually when I have failed and have been less than, uh, than I thought I should be the, level of intimacy and healthy engagement that that creates has been profound for me. So I'm thinking of an example of where um, I've historically not been great at apologizing with my husband. It's just like, he's great at it, can do it in a heartbeat, and it just takes and a And yours is lot. like once a year. <laughs> I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, <laughs> I've just not been great at it. And it finally hit me one day when he was... when. He could tell I was struggling, and he said, you realize that I love you, and I love you the exact same. Yeah, you hurt me. I was disappointed, but it changes nothing. And I I mean, that's a very simple thing to say, but I was floored and stunned in that moment. And it, it, it struck me, that's why I struggle to apologize to you, because it means I'm admitting to somebody else I'm not who I thought I was supposed to be. And I don't want to admit that. And so, but then having that sort of space where he could speak God to me, you know, in that moment and capture what that sort of divine love is like was just so important. So actually having those those spaces has been really healthy for me. The second thing is, and I do this a lot in spiritual direction, is uh, sort of almost uh, Personalizing the that sort of inner voice and seeing it as one that you can talk to, which you know maybe <laughs> sounds yeah. a little a little nuts, but um, because in some ways I, I I've wanted to help people see this as separate from who they are. It doesn't have to be something they always carry, but kind of interact with a little bit, and then really try to figure out why has this this voice been present with me? What purpose has it served? And really, ultimately, thank it for its service. How did this voice help me survive when... Hmm you know, I'm thinking of with, with One Direct D when I was experiencing tremendous physical abuse within my family. How did this ego form that literally helped me physically survive and endure that family, thank it for its service, that this would form within you to help you develop <laughs> and awesome. move on. Yeah. Like it, You you deserve to, to it deserves to, to receive some gratitude for how it's helped you, and at the same time to then release it from its service, to acknowledge it's no longer helping you. Yeah. You know, it served its Purpose and now it's working in the opposite Direction and so doing that Sort of work sort of narratively With people I think has been really really Helpful
0: that's good What would you say to people who have Critical voice Inside their head people who are experiencing What you did where you couldn't forgive yourself for What happened years ago I, Well um, Obviously I don't have her training I just I just always
3: look at it as a pride Issue
0: hmm. How so
3: well my pride won't allow me to look at myself as flawed as I actually am.
0: Hmm.
3: So, so, you know, I, I start having spiritual, and emotional dissonance when I'm trying to deal with stuff because yeah. my pride is pushing back all the time.
2: Hmm.
3: You can't be, you know, you can't be your, yeah, I, I just, if, you know, I look at it, I look at pride as having a positive and a negative side. Mm-hmm. That, that the pride, um, the person who, who, who is shy and unassuming also has a pride problem. Their fear is driven by their, often, their, their inability to, to say, I'm going to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a pride issue. Yeah. What's the problem with being embarrassed? We all get embarrassed. Yeah. You know? but that's, that's what I think, I, that's what I always think it is that has something to do with pride.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And going back to my idea that it, it's helped you to get to where you are, but you need to let it go. I mean, sometimes the pride is, yeah, I've got to do this. I've got to accomplish this. And it gets you up in the morning. It gets you to drive, puts you extra the work in, and it gets you to grind. But sometimes it, it reaches its limit of its service. And it, at some point it, it thwarts you from getting to the next step of who you need to be. Absolutely. Hold you back. I, well, I mean, when I look at, look at my life, when I look
3: at the struggles that I, I had growing up, I, I think that for survival it was necessary sometimes. Just for yep. survival, but I think, and often when you get on the other side of what you needed for survival, um, you know, it still seeks to live, and so even though it's it's outside of the survival context, it's still, still trying to, to kill on. stuff. You know, it's yeah. it's because it's what it does, and so now you're you're kind of living in that. Um, I don't know if it's a deficit thinking or not. I mean, just like many of us grew up, you know, clean your plate. Yeah. You know, there's some little child, you know, in Bolivia who has no running water. Yeah. You know, so clean your plate. And so, yeah. I mean, or you may not get any food tomorrow. You better eat it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was necessary for survival. But, you know, now we've got stuff rotting in the <laughs> refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. But you still have that same type of thinking. Yeah so I, I think it's necessary it was necessary then mm-hmm. but it may not but it's hard to it's full grown now it's, it's
0: not able to just push it to a side now it's, yeah. it's part of your self definition yeah like it's it's fine for my kids to have training wheels on their bike yeah. but if you're trying to win the Tour de France and you've got training wheels <laughs> you've got that, problems yeah you got serious problems <laughs> you got problems okay uh, I think this prob- podcast was not a problem I think this was good so I'm going to give you all praise so, I have
1: some critiques, but, okay. yeah, and I'm curious to see how you handle them. Okay. But, yeah, that'll be part two. <laughs> Good.
0: We'll edit that. <laughs> We're going to cut that out. No. All right. Uh, well, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, Mallory, first time on, I mean, do you feel like this is life-changing?
1: That is that is our way to describe it, yes. <laughs> Luke, life-changing. It is, it is the no, way. Glad the right to be way. here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.